Patsy Deference is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, wrapping up week one, the look ahead to week one. We have two guests here as we finally, after talking about how the Patriots can get to the playoffs, and talking about the best bets you can make on the Patriots. And Jack Jones, by the way, not going to prison, not even having regular probation. He's just going to do community service, and he's back, baby, as far as we're concerned. We are finally getting to Patriots-Eagles with two guests, and we are going to start with a first-time guest, Emmy Award-winning NBC Sports Boston producer of Boston Sports Tonight, and quick slants, but more importantly, and this is word for word, from one Rob Snyder, Robbie Buckets on Twitter. He has watched every Eagles game since he was six. He has watched every Patriots game of the last 12 years. And he has spent, this is an author's note, uh, enough time with Mike Felger to send you to therapy three times a day. <laughs> so we welcome in Rob Snyder. How are you, man? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. So Rob, from the Philly area? Arden Eagles fan here to provide some balance to an otherwise just ridiculous podcast as we talk about the Patriots all of the time. Uh, get a sense of what they think going into this. We're going to break down some matchups. We've got some predictions coming on. And I'll ask you this first. I kind of did off the air. So I've already got you on the record. Um, you make rundowns all the time. You set the conversation before the people, you know, bring it live to television, including sometimes me, because I'm very fortunate to work with you and a lot of people at NBC Sports. How is my rundown that I sent you trying to produce and execute this podcast? It was great. Uh, I know exactly where we're going under the order we're going in. And that's really all that matters. You don't, you know, the great thing with a, uh, a podcast rundown, I get as opposed to a TV rundown is there's no like random crap that you definitely don't need to know that's in front of you. So, uh, Tom Curran to this day, I'll give him a rundown and he looks at like half of it. He's like, I don't know what half of this means. Yeah. And I'm like, just look at the topics. So you, you'll be fine. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, well, on that note, because again, we're, we're going to dive into, I think the people have been waiting for some just hard football knowledge, stats, breakdowns, matchups, et cetera. But, you know, it, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit more about a world that I don't think a lot of people know about. And that is producing live television in a sports market that's just as insane as where you came from up here in Boston. Yeah. Like what, give me just one thing that the average person watching Boston sports tonight, watching Tom on quick slants doesn't really know that, kind of stirs the whole drink and brings it together? Uh, you know, I would say how invested the talent is in the product, which is, uh, you know, I, I think it can be seen as like, oh, well, the producer kind of decides everything. Um, but I'm more in, uh, my job is more figuring out what the talent wants to talk about that day and then organizing it uh, in a way that makes sense. Um, and like, if I, you know, if we go into a day that's dry, I can't just send an email that says like, what do you guys want to talk about? You know, I, I can send them, uh, you know, ideas or what other people are writing about or, you know, things that might pique their interest. A lot of the time I will give my own takes on things to see if that kind of causes a stir. But for the most part, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's what they want in an order that I kind of will throw together, but it's, uh, it's very collaborative and, uh, you know, I appreciate that from people who are working two other full-time jobs along with doing a uh, 10 o'clock show at night. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a lot of fun for me. I, I tell people all the time, like, you know, who wouldn't want to do TV or be a part of that, that just kind of community. And yet there's just nothing like, Hey, you got to go, you know, whether you're on one end or the other, like it's live and what happens happens and everyone's going to see and make some sort of judgments and that's it. Um, oh, that's blast, yeah. It also just hit me that 
Last year, I wrote a story around Thanksgiving asking players in the Patriots locker room, hey, how can I take your media training guide, of which I butt heads with every single day asking you questions, and give it to folks to use at their Thanksgiving dinner table where they need to handle awkward questions or topics they can't broach? Oh, yeah. And it hit me. I need Rob Snyder in my ear producing certain conversations at Thanksgiving or holidays. Like, you could do that, facilitate conversation, direct it somewhere else. The Thanksgiving conversation has never made me comfortable. So that's one thing I don't think I could ever produce is, okay. is Thanksgiving conversation. It would be silence. Good. Knives right. and forks hitting plates. And that's that's all I would want in my Thanksgiving dinner. I, I don't I, I can't do Thanksgiving conversation. Yeah. All right. Unless they're playing the Cowboys. I, mean, I think the things are going to be loud. Things are going to be thrown. Yes. If football's on, that's fine. But if we're at the dinner table, I usually I wish I had earplugs half the time. All right. We'll workshop that another time. All right. Let's start here. Um, down in Philly or on Eagles Twitter. What does this game mean? What do fans and media think of the Patriots and heading into this matchup? Like, what what's the vibe? So as far as what it means, it's interesting because, you know, you don't get to open the season against an, uh, an inter-conference opponent very often. So in the grand scheme, theoretically, it really means very little as far as it's not a conference game, it's not a division game. And, you know, a lot of teams will look back and look at week one and be like, well, you know, whatever it was week one, especially if against it's an against an opponent that has nothing to do with tie-breaking scenarios. On the other hand, I think this game means a lot to the Eagles because their schedule gets extremely difficult about nine games in. And I don't believe in the Super Bowl hangover as a whole. If you look at uh, teams that have lost the Super Bowl, usually the next season they're very good for the most part especially teams that uh, came within one score of winning the Super Bowl. They were fantastic the next season, but um, they can start slow. And I would say with the way the Eagles schedule and the way it kind of works itself out, I think starting slow would be a bad thing for them. Uh, I think they're the first team ever to face five teams in a row that won 12 or more games the year before. Wow. Uh, that comes That comes in November when they play the – Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, Seahawks. Uh, that's like a six-game stretch, uh, all teams that were in the playoffs. So it would behoove them to start fast. And uh, as far as like how people feel, I think everyone's a little on edge. Everyone's always a little on edge week one. I think people think the Eagles will be good, but they don't want to start the season on a slow note. And I think there's still – I think most people think that the Eagles are better than the Patriots, uh, probably in both cities. But I think there are still – you know, people who understand that the Patriots have a certain aura still and a mm. certain like way of winning games, even though they haven't done it in a couple of years, they, they can win games they shouldn't win. We just haven't seen it recently. Um, so I think that's that's kind of how most people feel. It's like perfectly winnable game. And sometimes perfectly winnable means that there's a lot of pressure on you to actually win it. Anxiety. I think is what that yes. sounds like. Yeah fan, yeah, fan anxiety. And it's funny because, I, you know, this will probably disturb people in both cities. But the way I like to describe uh, Boston, either for friends who are out of town or just getting a sense of the, the sports dynamic is Philly is a much more organized, a little bit bigger Boston. OK, we're going to be rude to you on the street in traffic, care way too much and identity invested in the sports teams, thankfully, because that's why you and I have jobs. But ultimately, yeah. there's so much overlap here that I think it's a similar sense of you might have all the confidence in Jalen Hurts or Nick Sirianni or all the things going on in defense with all those guys. 
but they're still a little, I'm not sure. And so it's different here for the Patriots. So I, I think you're right. And that speaks to the spread, frankly, which I should have mentioned off the top. Eagles are favored by four coming in, which would mean neutral field, either six and a half or seven. Um, one person who's gotten a lot of discussion this week, and you know, we record midweek, this will be out late Thursday, early Friday, Matt yep. Patricia. Yep. His official title is senior defensive assistant. Unofficially, no one in New England knows the hell what's going on. Bill O'Brien says much this week when we asked about him. And I think it's more interesting than the typical, oh, Brian Flores is in Miami or Patricia when he was in Detroit or even Eric Mangini, as fascinating as that chapter was of the Belichick era, because he's the only one with experience coaching offense and defense and working in the front office. He was taught to think about football by Bill Belichick. And so he thinks like Bill Belichick and might know what is made of Patricia in Philly. And what do you think about his role and what will happen on Sunday? So I think his role is basically consultant uh, and you know, I think he's the Eagles love to acquire coaching talent. I don't think they're afraid to crowd that that room, those meetings. Uh, they have an offensive coordinator. They have a passing game coordinator and they have a run game coordinator. All three guys are different people. Uh, and I think they just like to have as much brain power in the room as possible, knowing that there's a hierarchy. So I think Patricia is really there to provide ideas and to add thought. Um, because they might have liked the fact that he came from the Belichick defense. They might have liked what they've seen uh, from his defenses in the past. I would be shocked if he gave them any info on Patriots offense. I don't think they're going to be running the <laughs> offense they ran last year. But I do think he's there to just provide extra. You know, they have a new defensive coordinator. He's young. Mm -hmm. They probably would like to have, uh, you know, an extra, uh, extra voice in his ear. This is total guess. I have no info on this, but if I had to guess, I would think he might be in the booth for the games. Maybe he is the eyes above that can report down to the field of what he's seeing from up there. That's a total guess if he's on the sideline. Well, let's talk about why that would make sense, right? Like he's he doesn't need to be coaching a position because he's not coaching a position. So you're yeah, not kind of on the headset, on one knee, going over on the tablet, let's fix this. He will see things instantaneously that he recognizes safety rotation coverage disguises different fronts that rotate the last second understand not only just this is what they're doing this is why they're doing it and then get yeah. to relay that down so i think it's a really good um yeah, he, interesting he point just, by you yeah and even just personnel packages like you know, you know yeah. and obviously you know you could see them coming on the field from the sideline too but it might be a uh you know this package they're running a pass play 80 percent of the time whatever so he might just be like a live stats, eyes eyes above. And again, he might be on the sideline, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. It's just a guess, but I would think that – I think their passing game coordinator is uh, is in the booth. I know their run game coordinator is also their offensive line coach, so he's he's down on the sideline. But, you know, they just – they like to acquire brain power, and and he's just part of that. And uh, I think the, the biggest thing with Eagles fans is – oh no, he doesn't get along with Darius Slate. That was like the only thing that anybody <laughs> thought of when they hired him was like, don't hire Patricia, Slate doesn't like him. And they have, you know, have been high-fiving and shaking hands on the field. You know, they, they've been adults about it. So that was, once I think people saw that, I think they just assume he's just another voice in the room. And, and you know, people in Philadelphia have actually not talked about Patricia very much since uh, since they've seen that happen. Okay, so you've heard me say before that you can win with the Patriots season over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You bet there, they win, you win too. Well, right now, new customers at FanDuel can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's win or lose for the Patriots. Plus, 
All customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. This is for all you folks who live outside New England. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can be on with everything from spreads to player props and more. We give out bets here in the podcast all the time. More are coming. Listen and bet on FanDuel and visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss from FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 year older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions do apply. See terms at fanduelcom sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org. Call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. The NFL Sunday ticket offer ends on September 18th, 2023. That's the day after the Patriots week two game against Miami. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV itself. YouTube TV base plan requires you to watch uh, NFL Sunday ticket. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use is excluded. Subscription renews automatically, but you can cancel at any time. So there's no truth to the rumor that when Jonathan Gannon left, the Eagles decided we need a defensive coach for the fans to loathe so much and find a replace him. And Matt Patricia is number one in that market. It's it's funny how much like the Eagles had the second best defense in the league last year, statistically. And I would say 95 percent of Philadelphia did not like Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Well, at least he'll have all of three beat reporters out in Arizona to question him when he wants to run out. Clayton Toon is his starting quarterback in week one, but we are not here to talk about those birds. Uh, no. Let's do a very TV thing. Sure. Switch the quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts is playing for the New England Patriots. Mac Jones is with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think this is more than just kind of a TV thing. It's a thought exercise that speaks to the larger roster. But who wins, Mac on the Eagles or Jalen Hurts with the Patriots? So now I know why you asked me for a rundown before a show, because if you hadn't said this to me, I would not have an answer. Luckily, I've had time to think about this, and I would say that the Eagles would win. And the only reason I say that is because I've seen evidence of it, whereas I I haven't seen Jalen Hurts with a lesser offensive line, lesser weapons um, in a different scheme, whereas I have seen the Eagles – with Jalen Hurts out, win games with Gardner Minshew. I've seen them put up 34 points in Dallas against that Dallas defense with Gardner Minshew, even though he turned the ball over twice. So, like, I, I have seen the Eagles offense work uh, in real NFL games against real opponents with a quarterback who isn't a running quarterback uh, and, frankly, is worse than Mac Jones. Like, let's be honest, Gardner yes. Minshew is – is not, you know, the player that I think some people think he is. Infinitely more so, swaggy, but not as good of a quarterback. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not good. He has no arm. I mean, his arm, like, it's it's such a noodle. So I I think Mac Jones could be successful in the Eagles offense. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts couldn't be successful in the Patriots offense. But since I've seen it work and I've seen it put up piles of points, I would go with Mac Jones and with the Eagles over Jalen Hurts with the Patriots. And I would agree. The reason this question intrigued me is not only just I had to throw something at you that I think might be on the rundown when I'm pestering you before coming into BSC. It's just to think the the overarching, I think, belief about the Super Bowl last year or last February was, okay, is the power of the quarterback, specifically Patrick Mahomes, going to be enough to overcome the power of basically having a better roster two through 52? And the answer ultimately was yes, by the slimmest of margins. But that was a conversation. The Eagles have the better team. The Chiefs have the better quarterback. It's reductive. It's too simple. But 
the Chiefs won. And so I wonder with the better quarterback, because you look at the two sides of the ball, Eagles defense certainly has a much bigger advantage over the Patriots offense than the Eagles offense will against the Patriots defense. That's a closer call. And you even that out. Where does it go? I think the other part about not only just, you know, Jalen Hurts could probably elevate the Patriots in a way, scrambling or extending plays or just his instinct that Mac can't. But we know what Mac Jones looks like, not only just Gardner Minshew, when surrounded by excellent talent. That's what he was at Alabama. That got him yeah. to be a first-round pick in addition to his talent. So I think you might have a, a one-point, you know, or two-point eagle spread, or it's a pick em because I think Mac is better right now than we give him credit for. We just haven't seen it yet. And I don't have hard evidence to back that up. It's just a feeling of what I've seen in camp. Um, but it's but it's an interesting question because I think most people would default to like, oh, the Eagles. But then that's also a commentary on Jalen Hurts, who in asking defenders this week in the locker room, they're like, well, we have to defend the concept. Like he's good, but we got to get our heads around all these different options and directions and you know counters in the QB run game. And that tells me they like Jalen Hurts. But they don't love him or fear him in a way they might other quarterbacks. Yeah, which might be a mistake because the funny thing is in that Super Bowl. <laughs> Electric. Of, of, of all of what we just discussed, which is correct, Jalen Hurts might have been the best player in that game. That's <laughs> true. So, you know, Patrick Mahomes might have been the second best player in that game. Uh, and, you know, and the Chiefs still won. But, you know, again, he was he was clutch. He was amazing. I thought both quarterbacks were clutch. The game, game was Well, fantastic. and he, he didn't have the worst mistake. And that's kind yeah. of what it came down to. And the Although, benefit of the penalty I mean, and all that, but. I maintain the funny thing is if Hertz doesn't, and look, obviously you don't want your quarterback to fumble and give up a touchdown. Yeah. If Hertz doesn't fumble there, I think the Eagles and they don't score on that possession. Let's say, I don't think they have time to score two more times that half. I actually think the Eagles are up seven instead of 10. If he doesn't fumble that ball, as stupid as that sounds. And I'm not making excuses. I don't, you know, I don't, it's fine. I, you know, yeah. I'm over that loss, but it is, it is interesting because the Chiefs scored immediately. The Eagles went back, scored a touchdown, got the ball back, moved down the field at the end of the half and scored, kicked the field goal. They're up 10. And I don't think they're up 10 if he doesn't fumble that. No, it's 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 a good way to think about it. I hadn't thought about that yet. Um, of course, I they think, could have just scored on that possession. And then that that whole point is moved. But right, right. We'll never know. You know I'm any assuming they would punt or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Counterfactuals are a lot of fun for TV, but yeah. not really ever like resolving a conversation or podcast yeah. or radio, whatever you're doing. But for exactly. these purposes – um, I think we are going to agree on this next one, just like we did with the Eagles. So maybe we can go quickly here. You look at all the matchups all the way across the board. And I'm not talking about Patriots receivers versus Eagles receivers. Like we all used to read in the paper, the inquirer for, oh, yeah, yeah. for current. I'm like, they're never going to be on the field at the same time. Yeah. I want to know Eagles corners versus Patriots receivers and so on. So you look at all those matchups head to head. Where is Philly's biggest advantage in your mind? So we're actually not going to agree. I'm going to shock you. Oh, yet, right? excellent. I don't, I don't think it's the defensive front versus the offensive line, the Patriots offensive line. Mm. And that's because I don't think the Patriots offensive line is going to be as unhealthy week one as we think. And I don't think that the Eagles defensive front are fast starters. Here's where I think the biggest advantage is. And I'm not, I'm not like taking a dump on these players because I don't think that, that this group for the Patriots is all that bad. But I think it's the Eagles receivers against the Patriots secondary. The only reason I say that is because, A, I think the Eagles receivers are elite, 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 wide, both wide receivers, tight end, and actually backs out of the backfield this year, which is a, a different story. But I've seen the Patriots secondary struggle against really good receivers. They didn't lock up Justin Jefferson last year. They didn't lock up Stephon Diggs in either game. They didn't lock up T. Higgins. 
they've, they've struggled against elite receivers. And I don't know. I think Christian Gonzalez is eventually going to be good. I think he's a high ceiling. I don't know how high his floor is for week one. And I, I, I would be shocked if those guys get locked up all game. That's where I, that's actually where I think the bigger advantage is. I think it's the, I, I don't know how you cover those receivers. I really don't. I, I think Devontae Smith is unbelievably good for a second wide receiver, may be the best in the league. And I just don't know how you cover AJ Brown, cover Dallas Goddard, and also cover Devontae Smith. I, I can't I, I don't think anybody fi- really figured it out. The only the only film I would watch is the Colts, the Colts film from last year and figure out what the Colts did mm-hmm. in that Eberflus defense that that uh, gave the Eagles fits in that game. That's the only only thing I would look at is that. that but that would have been Gus, Gus Bradley back then, which is funny because last, played, last year. That's right. Last year. was Yeah. Gus last Bradley. Year. yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot Eberflus was the Bears last year. Yeah. Right. Well, it, it's a good point. And I, it brings me partly back to the week before. New Year's Day, where the Patriots beat the Dolphins. We're having similar conversations about how in the world without Jonathan Jones and with Quandre Mosley and T. Hayes, are they going to cover Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? And admittedly, a lot of that answer was just don't have a healthy tour because they didn't. Yeah, that was going to say Skylar Thompson. Thompson. <laughs> right, right. It was Skylar Thompson playing. But the other thing the Patriots did, in addition to just benefit from significant injury luck, is something they had done a lot in the three, four weeks beforehand, which was play more too deep, ton of cover too, which they just threw at Joe Burrow. 90 different ways and basically 80% of their snaps and a lot more just two dates to some more quarters. And I'm curious because this will not only just be a game plan decision to handle two receivers. So you're absolutely right. Have a clear cut sizable advantage against any of the Patriots corners. Um, And Christian Gonzalez is a rookie, especially week one cannot be understated, but I think it might speak to how they want to handle the rest of the schedule because we've talked about Stefan Diggs is up there, you're going to see CD Lamb in Dallas. Garrett Wilson's going to level up. Oh, and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are going to follow yeah. these guys in seven days. So, how do they want to play defense? And I'm of the mind that they would benefit from playing a little more zone to mollify, you know, all of these hard decisions and tests the Patriots are going to face and force offenses to be a little bit more patient and make a mistake, especially in December or September when the timing and the rhythm isn't there. And I, I would hope for their sake they'll do it. But we know this is a defensive one that plays man, so it's a really good. Um, it's a really good point. And that's, and the other thing about that, there's such a small margin for error, which is my argument for the offensive tackles, which I'm going to go to now because Calvin Anderson is just started practicing, had a serious illness, Cole Strange, Michael Wynn, basically haven't practiced in pads. And they're going to face guys who are not only just first round picks and guys have been good forever, but they can just rotate eight or nine bodies in there. And the margin for error there as an offensive lineman is so small because it's worse to give up a touchdown. Don't get me wrong. If you get burnt deep, but you give up one sack or two just from the offensive tackles alone, Calvin Anderson or City South, whoever it's going to be in Trent Brown, you lost. That's it. You had a bad game. And that's unfortunate, but that's how it is. And it's hard for me to look at that group against Brandon Graham and Josh Wett and Hassan Reddick, who not only just piled up 70 sacks last year, but Hassan Reddick was top five, top six in pass rush win rate, according to PFF. Like that's just, you need so much help there from play calling and misdirection and other players stepping up and just getting lucky for them not to score a strip sack of Mac, which I just feel like is already destined in a way where maybe if the Patriots play more cover two, that at least keeps a lid on a 40 yard AJ Brown bomb or catching room. Yeah. I, for some reason, I, I don't know what it is. For some reason, I just picture like everyone watching this game and watching the Patriots on offense, like staring at the offensive line and seeing blocks happen and thinking like, wow, they, they're doing it. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, getting sacks 
is like a hard thing to do. It's, you know, I, I think at this point it's actually like a little harder to get a sack than it is to just complete passes to guys who are elite. So I, you know, the Eagles front going into last year, I always thought the Eagles front was like talented, but always overrated by the Eagles beat who talked about them. Mm -hmm. Like it was, you know, they were, you know, and then of course last year they have 70 sacks. They were unbelievable, but I'm still, you know, I, I, I feel like you can kind of, you know, the quarterback can drop back and release the ball in two seconds and he's not going to get sacked. So there are ways to scheme around a bad offensive line. There's chipping, there's two tight ends. There's like, well, RPO uh, screens, quick game. You're right. right. Like I, I've been writing about this, I, I talking think, about it forever. I think right. for, for whatever reason, I just go into this game thinking like, well, if Trent Brown plays well, and if Anwenu and David Andrews and strange are there and like Calvin Anderson is like half competent, like they can kind of get by, uh, I, I don't know. I, I might be zigging when everybody else zags, but you know, I would like, there's times I'm watching the Patriots secondary and there's like very average receivers kind of like running through a zone wide open. And I'm like, man, how are, how are these guys getting open? And I said this and earlier this week, the way the Eagles receivers are and how good they are at the catch point, even when they're covered. Yeah. And the fact that Jalen hurts has no problem just tossing the ball up to them. I, I, you know, that that's just, it just feels to me like that's the bigger advantage. Tossing it up. And tossing it up deep. The Patriots allowed the fourth highest average depth of target to quarterbacks who were looking deep against them uh, in the league last year. And so they'll play more safeties. I think they'll play more zone. You're right, though. Like I, it, Whoever, you know, wants to agree with me or with you, nobody's wrong. Like, these are problems for the Patriots. We can all agree on that. Uh, there are some solutions. How long you can last with RPOs and screens or quick game or running the ball or going up tempo, two, three quarters maybe, and then you screw up. How long can you ask Christian Gonzalez to hold up in main coverage? We'll find out. Um, as per usual, a lot of question marks in week one. Flipping that around, though, the Patriots' biggest match of advantage in your eyes is what? Uh, Kendrick Bourne, tight ends, in between the hashes passing game. Uh, mm -hmm. Eagles lost both of their off-ball linebackers in free agency. They lost both of their safeties in free agency. So while Is that I bad? Is that, is that bad? <laughs> They don't, it's funny. It's the two positions they value the least. Uh, they have not drafted a linebacker in the first round. I think since the seventies, uh, they have not drafted a safety in the first round for maybe ever. Uh, you know, and I feel like Nicobe Dean could do what TJ Edwards did last year. I think Zach Cunningham could do what Kaiser White did last year. I don't think they have a CJ Gardner Johnson. They like, they like Blankenship a lot. I don't know who the other safety is going to be yet. They haven't even named a, you know, a safety. It'll be a box safety. It'll be probably Terrell Edmonds, but they should be tested. If the Patriots are smart, they would test them there. And I, I believe they're smart. And I believe they will. Um, but I can see Kendrick Bourne having a good game. Uh, and, you know, the tight ends didn't do much in the preseason. Maybe that's by design. Maybe they don't want to give that away. Um, but I would test the Eagles early and often uh, across the middle of the field uh, especially with play action, because, you know, week one play action is the, it's the best week one because everyone is so aggressive. Everyone wants to make the play. Everyone wants to make the tackle. These guys haven't really hit like they want to hit all spring and summer. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have a lot of young linebackers biting on play fakes. You're going to have, have a lot of safeties turning their hips to run back once they bite on play fakes. So I would exploit the middle of the field as much as possible. I think that's easily the Patriots biggest advantage. 
It's a great call. I have a similar answer and it's the safeties in Terrell Edmonds and maybe it's Sidney Brown and we'll figure out how they're going to, you know, or Reed Blankenship uh, versus Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki. The hard part for the Patriots is as much as you like Hunter Henry, I've been telling everyone, take the over, draft them in fantasy, whatever, whatever kind of investment you can make in Hunter Henry in your life, do it. Is those players are still outside the top five, maybe top seven, maybe top eight in terms of your best players. And the Patriots best players are going to run into great players from the Eagles, whether it's Matt Judon, or Mondre Stevenson, or Kyle Duggar, or even Mike Onwenu if he's healthy. So their biggest matchup advantage still won't be as significant as the advantage the Eagles are going to enjoy as we just described. But I think the Patriots can go to these wells, as you mentioned, over the field, over the middle of the field, whether it's with Bourne or Demario Douglas or with these tight ends, more frequently than the Eagles will be able to. You know, And that's something that I think they need to just hammer over and over and over again um, because – Motion and tempo are going to stress not only just new players, but players playing in a new system. And there's a lot of overlap between what Sean Desai wants to do now as their first year defensive coordinator and Jonathan Gannon. It's a lot of too high and quarters, and that's great. But there's still going to be some new terminology and shifts and adjustments to motion, which got him killed in the Super Bowl. And they're going to stay in that same umbrella. Too high, which means middle of the field open in their terminology. And that's where I think they need to attack. So I think it's a really good point. Uh, closest matchup you're looking for where it, this could be a draw from start to finish. And you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'm going to say Patriots defensive front against the Eagles offensive line. And I think the Eagles offensive line is very good, uh, but they're susceptible uh, to good pass rush. They're susceptible to blitzes at times, especially early in the season. Uh, they have a new, they only have one new player, it's their new right guard, uh, who's very capable. Um, that's, you know, if you're going to replace an offensive lineman being in between Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, that would be the place ideally that you would want to go. Um, but, you know, as good as that line is, and they're a great run blocking line, I, I think the Patriots front is, you know, I, I, I think they can match them. I think that would be a good punch counter punch situation. I also think that Jordan Mailata can be beaten with speed. I think he's a really good left tackle, but he can be beaten. Uh, I would try to flip Judon onto that side, uh, you know, keep him keep him there, see if he can rush there, keep Uche there. I'd put Keon White on that side. Uh, I would just keep testing Mailata as much as possible. Um, but Let's stay I, with Keon White really quickly just because I've gone cool. over the top about him so far, like calling like him a monster. You like him? Yeah. Okay. Is that, yeah. is that it? Love, cosine? Like, where, where are we at? Oh, yeah. yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, okay. That was, yeah, he's he's part of my bold prediction for later when we get there. Ooh, but I, I, am, I, I like Keon White a lot. And, you know, you don't see those ends with that strength anymore. I think that's like what a type of player Dietrich Wise is. But I think Keon White is obviously like a souped up version of that from like a motor and a athleticism standpoint. Yeah, he's got 20 pounds on Dietrich. I love Dietrich. Um, Keon's already got more swag, even as someone who like, just got in the league and is stone-faced killer kind of vibes, whether it was draft night or some discussions with the media, which is totally fine. Uh, but he's just like, you just, you feel him in a way I don't think you do other players, especially rookies, uh, which granted, he's older than a lot of rookies. I have an agreement here uh, with you two. And it's specifically at the tackles where I think, again, the Eagles are, are very strong with my lot and obviously Lane Johnson, but Josh Uche was right there with Hassan Reddick in terms of being top 10 and how often he won his pass rushers according to PFF. And you had three players down below him that were all in the top 55 and 60. One of whom, of course, is Matt Judon, Christian Barmore is in there and Dietrich Wise. So except for Barmore, those guys are living on the edge and that's where, 
you know, a draw is typically going to favor the defense. Barmore maybe makes some hot hay there over the right guard. Uh, I don't love the Patriots' defensive tackle depth. I mean, they cut Carl Davis, who's been a regular for them since mid-2020. Carl Davis is not deciding this game, but if Lawrence Guy or Devon Gotcha has a so-so game, uh, which they've been known to do, as most players are, that's an issue against a really strong, powerful running game. Forgetting the QB sneaks and just massive humanity, which (laughs) I personally love. Like, everyone in Philly has to embrace that. Yeah, just... Yeah, oh, it's great. I, I I'm still shocked at like everyone complains about it and no one copies it. Like it's yeah. not it's not that hard. You just you just lower your center of gravity and push the quarterback. It's, it's, it's so lame. Like, and it, I remember Felger did this, and I was shocked that he was complaining that they were doing this. I'm like, it's within the rules. Do it yourself. This is an advantage. It, it everybody should be doing it. It's yeah. it it also like let's be honest. Third and one and fourth and one should be automatic if it's not automatic for you you're a you're bad like the, there's a problem <laughs> you suck. So like, if you can't gain a yard in a must gain yard situation that's a that's a problem so like yeah i i i have no problem with like everybody line up low and shove the line and shove the quarterback and there's your yard it's not it's not that complicated i can't i cannot believe no one has copied it it should it should be noted though that jalen hurts approximately can squat 23,000 pounds because he is a house. He squats houses. Bailey Zappi in the same formation is just going to get broken in half. And again, I like Bailey Zappi. He's not built for hit six foot five and 205 pounds. Uh, depending on the practice, he might lose 10 or 15 sweating it out as, as I would. But I, the results are very different with a very different kind of built quarterback. Um, this is one of my favorite questions previewing any game because we spend so much time and sometimes can get too into the weeds or you stay outside the forest and just stare at the big picture and miss some sort of detail that really tells the story of the game in retrospect that we all look and go, Oh yeah, we should have been talking about that. So what's one in your opinion, overlooked storyline or aspect, or maybe another matchup that we should be talking about more before they kick off Sunday. Don't mush rush Jalen hurts. Uh, I cannot state that enough. I would get after him as much as possible. He is, I think there's an assumption that mobile quarterbacks are very good at um, getting outside the pocket and making plays. Uh, I think he's a great, I mean, if you look at it uh, by success rate, he was the most efficient runner in like 10 years last year uh, as a quarterback, but he's a better running quarterback on designed runs or his own reads. Uh, He's not as incredible of a scrambler. And he's especially not very good at throwing on the run. Uh, his, I think his quarterback rating outside the pocket was like bottom third of the league last year. That's a great so stat. You do not want to mush rush him. You do not want to keep him in the pocket. He's very, very good throw in the pocket. And that's the what you mean. Like for the folks, I think most Patriots fans will know, but the yeah, kind of controlled stay rush, in lane. stay yeah. in your lane, kind of close in around him. You're saying yeah, it's okay to knife through the pocket, you know, maybe yes, not get, keep him a get, wide open lane, but be aggressive. Yeah. He is a mobile quarterback you want to force out of the pocket. And that's that's something that if I'm the Patriots, I would send blitzes, make sure you're, you know, get there. Don't don't stay in your and get there if you can get there. Uh, and if you force him out of the pocket, uh, you know, he's again, he's a very average uh, to below average throwing outside the pocket. And part of that is because he's very willing to throw the ball away, mm. uh, which obviously lowers those stats. But like that's an incomplete pass. Like that's a, that's a win uh, for the defense. So I would, uh, I would make sure like you're, that you're not you, you pass rush with a purpose in this game. I like it. My answer is a lot more boring. Uh, it's tackling 
And this is something that you can count on for a Bill Belichick defense, even in seasons like last year, when you go eight and nine, everyone's miserable. You have a good defense, but everything else has changed. The Patriots are always going to be sound tacklers. And this is most glaringly an issue in the first couple of weeks of the season when everyone is treating it, quote, like the extended preseason. OK, the Patriots obviously can't afford to do that. What they need to do is wrap up and you can give up 10, 15 yard gains, sometimes even 30 on a poster up to A.J. Brown. But you need to take him down there. And it's unfortunate for them that there are so many players in this Eagles offense that are difficult to bring down. It's much easier for me to say tackle than me run over and knock over these human beings and put them on the turf. But that, I think, could decide the game for them in a way that flip it around with the players we were just talking about on Philly's defense. Nicobe Dean, Reed Blankenship, Sidney Brown, if we see some of him, they're more liable to whiff because they're young and they haven't played a whole lot. Okay, so I think that strength of the Patriots might save them in a way that's kind of unseen. You don't give credit for just making a tackle, especially when it's a first down. But if it saves a touchdown in a way that the Eagles blow early and allow the Patriots to get a lead or hang around, completely changes the complexion of the game in which we'll talk about the fourth quarter however finished, but we should be looking back and saying, they really just wrapped up. Yeah. This is a different game and it doesn't get to the way it is. So I think I think tackling is, is going to be huge here, and especially for parts of a new coaching staff in Philly with Sean Desai. You know, how well do they drill those fundamentals uh, or believe they need to with those positions? Yep. All right. We're uh, we're at the end. Bold predictions. I need a, a score and uh, something that's that's not a score. So I am going to say uh, Eagles win this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think there's definitely a path to the Patriots winning the game, which I would say falls into offensive scheme versus new court, new defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. where I think the Eagles will probably spend the entire first half in some sort of base defense uh, because you don't know, no one knows what the Patriots are going to run. I don't think they're watching Texans film uh, to get a feel for Bill O'Brien. I wouldn't. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot of base defense. And I think the Patriots could take advantage of that. Hopefully, you know, for them take, uh, you know, a two score lead at some point early in the game. Um, but I will go with the Eagles because I think they're just the talent gap is there. It's, I think it's fairly obvious. I'm going to say 28-17 in a game that's probably 21-17 in the fourth quarter, and, and a touchdown puts it away. My bold prediction is Jalen Hurts is sacked five times. Wow. I think, I think Keon White gets two of those. So <laughs> win win for the Eagles. Um, but I think the Patriots will probably come away with some things that they should be uh, they should be happy about. Rob, I shaved my head earlier today, but the little stubs that were left, you just smoked and blew off and sent to the wall behind me. That is a great take. Five sacks and two of them to Keon White. I'm glad I asked you about Keon White because, damn, that'd be a great game for him. I, I just, I think, I think the Patriots are smart enough to know that they need to really bring it, uh, you know, and and try to get to Hurts. And week one, you know, it's if. I think the the hardest time to pick up a blitz and to get rid of the ball quickly is week one. So yeah. I, I I would say that uh, this would be a, a prime prime time for the uh, for the Patriots to to get to the quarterback. Well, I I think that's all spot on. And the part about them, they're smart enough to know. Yeah, you got to get a pass rush. That's a good idea. Their pass rush plan also is highly specific, and this goes for a lot of teams. It's not just the New England Patriots, but okay, the, we need to get six yards back and two yards over from where the ball is being snapped, because that's where Jalen Hurts on 63% of third downs like to spot from. He'll go behind the offensive lineman. Maybe it's Lane Johnson. He trusts the most, launch, and get there. If we get to that spot, that means he's off of his spot. And so I think that's where it's it's going to be a great idea, as you mentioned, to kind of find a balance between the mush rush and just get there, because we need to make him uncomfortable, even if it's not being hit, where he still gets his third and ones converted, and yada, yada. 
make him play outside the pocket. I think that's going to be a, a really good point. I'm saving my final score prediction for the end, but I will say this. You mentioned five total sacks. I think Mac Jones combines for five total touchdowns and interceptions. I don't know what the divide is going to be, <laughs> but when they get, they get close to the red zone, uh, third and two or third and goal from the two, whatever it might be, they're not handing the ball off into the teeth of that defense behind this offensive line. And if they do, it's a bad idea. And if they succeed, then this was a bad idea. But that's where I think they're going to be a lot on Mac that Jones. Is, and that, is either, that is either a really, really successful day or a downright terrible day. Or, or you could find somewhere in the middle. If he goes three touchdowns, let's say two in the first half, and it's like 14-17. And we can both admit this game has the widest range of outcomes, even for week one, that we can see yeah. because – of a variety of things we just covered, but he could have two touchdowns and a pick in the first half, get to three and one at the end. And then they're trying to come back down by 10. He throws a second one. You get to three touchdowns and two picks and go, I don't really care about the two picks. The first one was tipped and the last one's in desperation. And that's, that's maybe where I would put the divide is three touchdowns and two picks. But obviously the Patriots would love this to be four and one or five and oh, I just think it's a lot. It's going to be a lot of Mac. I think three and two would be great because it means the Patriots scored three touchdowns. And <laughs> we didn't do that a lot last year, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, you had a field goal to that. You got 24 points. You got a shot. Awesome. Well, this is a blast, man. I always love our chats. Most uh, often unofficially, I'm sitting in Phil Perry's chair and desk looking at the wonderful pictures the children have drawn for him. I keep telling Phil, I'm going to draw you one. You're not going to notice. Uh, that, now he might, now that we spoke. Rob, you crushed us. Thank you so much for your insight, your background on Philly, taking us kind of behind the scenes at NBC. This was awesome, man. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, wrapping up one of the best weeks of the season, full of hype and prognostication and predictions. One of my favorite guests, three-time Super Bowl champion, Ted Johnson is back in the podcast. Ted, normally we dip our toes in the water. We talk a little movies. We did a little Barbie Oppenheimer. I feel like that ship has sailed. It's going into the sunset. Thankfully, right behind it is football season. Uh, so I want to start here. Week one. You know, again, the predictions of prognostication, I feel like the NFL slaps us all across the face and reminds us we know nothing. This is the craziest week, the most unpredictable week. What do you remember in that sense from your playing days with the Patriots where you were just so shocked there? And I'll say this, 2003 comes to mind, 31 to nothing up at Buffalo. Is that it or is there something else? But that's it. Well, there's there's two games that come to mind week one, you know, and there's and there's uh, a good example of, of a week one for me and a bad example in the in the. And the bad example is what you just mentioned, the 2003 game in Buffalo, 32 zip, I believe was the, uh, the exact score. And uh, I remember that because I think the, you know, it was the perfect symmetry as we played Buffalo yep. at home, the last game of the season where we beat them 32 zip. So um, the Laurie Malloy game uh, week one, 2003 is always going to be top of mind. This is as far as week one shockers. Um, but also for me, it was my, it was my rookie year. So I was very fortunate to be part of a, a, a tremendous draft class in which the first four uh, rounds uh, of guys drafted in the 1995 draft class for the New England Patriots all were starters. Curtis uh, Ty Law, uh, the first rounder, uh, me, the second rounder starting uh, at uh, in week one. And then also, uh, of course, Curtis Martin uh, was mm -hmm. our starting running back week one, as well as our center, Dave Wollaball. And we beat <clears throat> the Cleveland Browns, who was quarterbacked <laughs> by Vinny Tessaverde and the head coach. For the Cleveland Browns was Bill Belichick. We beat them 17 to 14 on a last second, basically touchdown from Curtis Martin um, with no time left to uh, to secure the win. So that was uh, that was one of the most memorable games. Is my 
first year uh, in the league, starting week one against Bill Belichick and the Cleveland Browns and beating them with the last second touchdown run by Curtis Martin. So I can't believe I've never asked you this, and this just hit me. All of last season, I did a segment uh, for the post-game wrap-up film review came out on Monday nights into Tuesday, and it was called, What Would NFL Film Say? <clears throat> Excuse me. And the genesis for that segment was a VHS tape I had as a kid about the 1995 New England Patriots, and it was called Unfinished Business, and you've got, I can't remember the name of the guy. He used to be the old NFL Films voice, called games for the Phillies, but it was just an incredible show of what NFL Films is all about because that season, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys went 5-11, and 6-10? and 10? Five and 11, I believe. Yeah. yeah. I watched that thing until it fell off the wheels or spit out of the VCR. It got too hot and says, I can't take it anymore. Do you, uh, do you know anything about that tape or what I'm talking about? I, I don't, but I, okay. I, it was, it was like a highlight tape of us. Like, like it's almost as if we were 11 and five and not five and 11. That's, that's exactly what it was. And I, you know, it took me a while to think of that obviously now, but it starts with the Browns, you know, game against the Panthers that year. And they kind of skip over the Colts were still in the division, Miami twice, the Jets twice, uh, Sunday night game, I think against the bills, just spectacular NFL films, raw stuff. I, if it wasn't broken, I would, I would lend it to you, give it to you, but it's just, it's funny that you mentioned that because again, that was the Genesis first segment last year. It's kind of what get a lot of us hooked. I think in my kind of generation on the league is how much work they did because yeah, that tape exists. It was a highlight reel somehow five and 11 that I could never watch enough. I don't know. We had big names, Parcells. They just came off a big year the year before. And then, you know, they were onto something because the next year we went to the Super Bowl, lost to Green Bay, but we had uh, we had the makings and the ingredients in that '95 team, even though the record didn't reflect that uh, of of something you know you know bigger and better in that team, and so maybe that's why they went over the top for a team that only won five games that year. Yeah, it was spectacular. I don't know if they did that for every team. Uh, I will find out on my own because the folks are here for the 2023 Patriots, not the 1995 Patriots. Uh, so we we've discussed at length, you know, in different places about this game. You and I haven't talked about this in particular, but let's just keep it to the first drive, the first quarter. We all know what we might think happens at the end, but what are going to be the first couple signs you look for of how this game is going to go and what this game is going to be about right from the get go? Yeah, I, the first thing I mean, I think the first thing I'm going to look for is who's the starting offensive line. I want to see okay. who are the five players they put out there. Um, how does the operation look on offense? Is it does it does it look uh, like a clean operation? Does it look like they know what the hell they're doing? Um, you know, I, I'll be curious. Uh, clearly, in the first quarter, it tells you a lot, Andrew. As you know, you know what what is the game plan? How how are teams going to be uh, trying to attack each other? There's adjustments that are made later, but for the most part, you know that first quarter sets the tone. So I'm just curious what the offensive line is going to look like. I'm curious what packages on offense are they going to run? I, you know, I feel like the wide receivers are a big question mark uh, in this game. Are they going to you know, how many healthy wide receivers are they going to have? And, and the healthy ones they have, are, are they going to be leaning on rookies, um, you know, to to uh, carry some of the load? So I'm fascinated about the personnel groupings. Are they going to major in two tight ends? Are they going to are, are they going to major in three wides? I'm I'm really curious about that. What does the offensive line look like? Um, how are they playing? Um, and, and just the overall uh, you know, kind of efficiency and operation on the offense. That's going to be the first thing. And then on, on defense, I think we're all trying to figure out what, what the game plan is uh, for defense. It's, it's to me, Andrew, if I can just start into it right now, it's to me, sure. it's what I think if they need to do uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles, if you're the Patriots defense is 
major in zone coverage, particularly, you know, too high coverage, uh, too high safety coverages, if you will, major in that. However, timely blitzing and mixing in some man-to-man at timely points in the game are going to be very important. You can't just show them zone all day. It's kind of pick your poison for for this team. You know, do you want to let them just – you know, with the RPOs, if you play a soft zone, you do the RPOs, they're hitting slants all day. They're getting like little, you know, little, you know, kind of, you know, methodically moving down the field and then hope that you are able to keep them out of the end zone once they get down there. Or do you play them aggressively and play them tight and maybe, you know, uh, let them get, uh, you know, you know, beat you deep down behind you. And so those, it's going to be interesting. My guess is they'll play a lot of zone, but you got to have some timely blitzing in there. And then some mix in some man to man just to keep them honest. And I think that's that's truly what what the game plan is going to be. Maybe concede the run to some degree a little bit, and those quick slant RPOs that uh, Jalen Hurts and they're so good at. So as long as you don't give up the big play and you your red zone defense, which was not that good last year, um, is is got to be on point so i think at the end of the day that's probably how they do it i don't think they need i don't think they can have christian gonzalez and jack jones chasing these you know uh, aj brown who's a thoroughbred around the field and Devonte smith who's you know a burner i think playing zone kind of mitigates some of their speed and what they can do to you and so you better be damn good at it but you better mix in some man-to-man at times as well just to make sure you keep them off balance all right, there's a lot there. Uh, I want to go back to just the thing that I'm maybe looking for right off the bat because that, that that is why you're here. A lot of the defensive talk, same stuff you and I talk about a lot. How would you game plan? What would you do here for the Patriots defense? And for folks who want to hear more about what the Patriots offense can do, uh, I recorded with James White earlier this week. He was great, and there's plenty of X's and O's talk there. The first thing I'm going to look for here, though, and it does lean into the defense, is how they're handling some of the zone read or option stuff because we all remember week three, Lamar Jackson, maybe just yesterday, finished running around this defense into wide open C-gaps on a lot of power read stuff the Patriots just couldn't figure out. And they spent a lot of this summer working against Malik Cunningham in training camp, against option runs, different varieties. We saw a teeny tiny bit of it in the preseason. It was a whole lot more behind closed doors, if you will, when you know media was allowed in, but um, not any fans after they closed training camp. That, to me, is going to be curious because Matt Patricia is going to feel like he has a good idea of what the Patriots want to do. And obviously, the Eagles will have counters to that. So whoever wins that battle initially, I think, not only just sets the tone for first down, where the Eagles want to stay on schedule. They're explosive, but you don't want Jalen Hurts, like most quarterbacks, at second and nines, third and sevens, just traditional drop-back guys. If the Patriots can force Hurts with whatever technique they want to employ on the edge, it could be a scrape exchange, it could be a straight give, it might be whatever – to make the reads that they want so they know where the ball's going, either hand it to the running back up the middle or off the side if it's a, a back or a back away kind of scheme or force Hurts to keep it, that's a win for them. And that buys them time in their offense to get on track. So I'm curious how they would handle that. How would you handle that? Like we're, we're talking about pick your poison. It's a perfect description for this offense, whether it's running the ball or Brown or Smith or Goddard, who we're going to talk about. But how would you handle that specifically if we're looking at the first couple of drives, how Bill – is defending that option game. My guess is, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be very disciplined on the edges. Uh, that's where that's where the damage can be done if you don't have discipline on the edge and, and edges, and that's gonna be uh, something to look for. And I was, I think, 
you know, a, a guy that might be uh, play more of a factor in this game is, is a Keon White in to mm. some degree. It was interesting. If you watch Keon in that, I believe it was the second preseason game. I might have been the first preseason game where they had him out there as a defensive van. And there was a lot of times where they would run boots to him. And it was the Green Bay game. And I, I, I'm guessing you will remember this, Andrew. It was, he didn't get he didn't he didn't take the cheese on the play action. He didn't get sucked down. He was very disciplined. Whenever boots would come his way, any counteraction coming back his way, he was where he needed to be. That is what you have to have against teams like the Eagles. The way they run these options around is you have to be very disciplined on the edges. And so between Matthew Judon and whoever that other outside linebacker is or defensive end, if it's Tavai, if it's uh, Keon White, they have to be exceptional in reading play actions and not getting uh, fooled by that so that they can keep containment on, on the quarterback. And so that's the, the outside linebackers are a huge part of this game plan. And I think, you know, if it's, if they play, you know, a, more of a four, three, probably they'll play, they'll play hybrids going back and forth, but I think they're more of a four, three type kind of fronts. Now that edge rusher on, on, on uh, play action away has to be very, very disciplined and even play action too. They have to be very disciplined. So first of all, I love the cheese pun with Green Bay. It was uh, actually the Houston game, but it was it, it, the stuff we saw in practice in Green Bay when I was out there for the joint sessions is similar to what you're talking about because, you know, Houston's adopting that Shanahan offense. The boot's going away. He's chasing C.J. Stroud all over the place, tracking him down from behind. He's a guy, you're right, at 290 pounds can, you know, take wheel routes up the sideline, contain all those different things, and it's a good point. As far as the mush rush goes, you know, I, I think it's different in the d- passing down situations. This is something I covered in an earlier segment. But I think when it comes to the read runs, that's something that's interesting where maybe you don't commit fully to forcing Hertz to give the handoff, but just make the reads a little bit more difficult and trust the guys two gapping in the middle can hand handle that area if it is a handoff to the running back. Because, you know, they're trying to play a numbers game. We're not blocking you, but we are blocking you because it's a read. And we're going to trust that if I give it, that means we have one better blocker in the middle behind this inside zone or power scheme, whatever it might be. And if not, then I'm running one on zero the other way because you've committed to that back as the quarterback and I'm keeping it and I'm running again free against no defense along the edge. So when you kind of change up your rushes and we talk about coverage disguise and we talk about different pass rushes and backing out of blitzes, maybe there is something to disguising while staying disciplined, like you mentioned, when they want to go zone read, because that's a lot of what they're built in here with this offense, in addition to some of the the play action stuff. Um, Other big picture stuff. I mean, you talked about some of the coverage, and I think that's really notable. Let's just go into those those corners in that uh, style of defense. In the back end, the zone stuff, we know they bounce between cover two and cover four. This kind of reminds me, actually, of a playoff game you guys had against the Colts in 2004. One of the most underrated, I think, Belichick game plans uh, ever. And the way you held the Colts to three points in that divisional round game, in the essence, according to David Halberstam, who wrote a book about Bill, was making cover four look like cover two. And the whole purpose is to keep those safeties back and just to change up where the soft spots are in the zone, pre to post snap. I think it's a great idea generally, but I think a good idea here because you protect yourself from the long ball. And the Eagles were top 10 and averaged up the target last year in terms of how far they wanted to go downfield. Do you see any elements of that? Understanding Peyton Manning is not Jalen Hurts, but you have some excellent receivers back then, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, and today, obviously, in Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Absolutely. Um, and and I'm, I'm a huge cover two guy. So huge yeah. cover two. What is, 
what is the main principle of cover two? So cover two, cover four, um, you know, obviously not, not exactly the same, but, you know, two high safety coverages. The only way that you, the, the idea of cover two, two high safety uh, coverages is to quote unquote, take receivers out of the game. So don't, you don't want to, you want to take the receivers out of the game. You want to take away their weapons down the field. You play, you play two high safeties. However, if you're going to play two high safeties, how many guys can, is that in the box? That's seven guys in the box. So when we were playing, playing uh, Peyton Manning, I always said this. If you want to stop Peyton Manning, stop Edron James. Well, what does that mean, Ted? You better stop Edron James with just seven guys in the box. If you got to commit another guy down there to stop Edron James, then you got to then you got to soften up the corners, and that's when Peyton Manning, John Elway would do the same thing. They start going to work to get you out of those uh, two high safeties by running the football effectively because you only got seven guys in the box. And so the thing with the Patriots defense, my feeling is they just they concede the run more than ever. Then I feel like they used to make stopping the run more of a priority. Um, it just doesn't feel that way anymore. And so. Um, it almost feels as if you know what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let you to continue to run on our seven man front with f- averaging four point you know one yards per carry as long as you don't beat us deep and as long as our situational defense third down in red zone is on point we will concede uh, you know some of those you know some of those runs um, as long as we're not getting beat deep there will be some of the same thinking in this game is my is my is my feeling Andrew but. They are gonna. They do not want the Eagles to strike fast. They want to make the Eagles work their way down the field because it shortens the game. That's what the Patriots want to do. They just want this game to hurry it, you know, to kind of shorten, slow down, and, and drag it out. And so they're almost okay with conceding the, the running game as long as they keep those two safeties high and, and, and protect against the deep ball. That is probably kind of what Bill's thinking is. However, and you can do that. To a point, but you got to find your kind of points in the game as a defensive signal caller to be aggressive and right. to and, and to hit them with a blitz to you know change it up and, and play some man to man. You don't want to always be in the same look every time. Um, that's not good either, Andrew. Well, let let me say let's let's assume they take our advice. The Patriots very wise coaching staff takes our advice. We're going to major in too high. They'll sprinkle in enough variety. We know how much they change the look pre snap, post snap, generally with all their coverages. And they protect their corners against receivers, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I mentioned Dallas Goddard. The Patriots defense allowed 11 touchdowns to tight ends last year, second most in the league behind only the lowly Arizona Cardinals. Um, So, again, let's assume they play too high. And let's assume the Eagles march down into the red zone. And they they agree. They say, okay, you want to set the terms of engagement? We're going to have to be patient. We're going to play an efficient game, not so explosive. They get inside the twenty. Goddard makes me a little nervous because he is one of the best all-around tight ends in the league, the numbers I just mentioned, and I like Kyle Duggar a lot. I like Adrian Phillips. I think Jabril Peppers is headed for a breakout season, but you don't love trusting any of those guys in man coverage. And Maybe it's Jalen Mills who's played more man coverage than any of those guys the last couple of years because he was playing corner. How do you solve him? Because even if it's not in the red zone, let's again, go back middle of the field, you're playing too high. That's middle of the field open. That's where Goddard makes his living and you're a little susceptible in those coverages. Do you just eat it or how would you handle a guy like him? Oh man. You know what? I love, I love cover five in the red zone. It's one of my favorite coverages and it's, it's a too high safety. It's too, it's too high man under. 
And, and so I, I just love that. You, you don't want to play cover two. You don't, you, you know, the Patriots, sometimes they like to play zone in the, in the, in the red zone. Um, you got to match fast. You, if you're off by, you know, a split second uh, in zone coverage, then you, then you can get beat. And so, so who do you trust in man coverage though? If you're playing cover five, like you're saying, just the safeties, one of them. You mentioned Jalen Mill. I'm curious what he can do. You know, because look, Kyle Duggar, he's a revenge game, by the way, for Jalen Mills, ex Eagle. What's that? Jalen Mills, ex Eagle, kind of a revenge game. Yeah, but but you know what I like? I like his length. And so whenever I think of tight ends in the red zone, I think of length. I think of uh, of guys that are a little bit taller, longer arms the hybrid slash safety, uh, you know, linebacker kind of thing. Um, is that a, is that a Marte Mapu, uh, cover guy? Is that, is that, I mean, I keep hearing this kid's name is, is if he's, you know, that they love him. I mean, he's been in a red Jersey. I haven't seen him play, but I think he's clear to play in this game. You know, is, is a Marte Mapu kind of a, a guy that you would, you, you would feel very comfortable putting on, on a Dallas uh, Goddard. That to me is an intriguing player when it comes to, those types of matchups against a player like a Goddard, uh, uh, you know, uh, Andrew is just, you know, maybe that's the kind of, that's the kind of player that you would feel more comfortable. And I think he, his profile, uh, the way he's kind of, the way he played, uh, you know, at Sac State there and everything I've heard about this kid, he seems to be like a good pro, you know, candidate for a, uh, a, a tight end like Goddard in the, uh, in the uh, red zone. So let's take this up a level. Would you go so far now that you're in the take business and not in the business of Marte Mapu covering tight ends, fitting the run, everything you used to do with the helmet on? Can you elevate this and make it a little spicers? Marte Mapu may be kind of secret weapon here for the Patriots against Dallas Goddard or somewhere as a guy who let's forget. Okay. He's not going to cover Dallas Goddard one-on-one all game, but he could factor into some packages against Jalen Hurts, the way he moves and containment and track him down. No, where, where are you at? How high can we go here? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, they, they, they've they set the bar pretty high for this kid. Maybe, um, you know, the expectations are, are maybe too high, but just from everything <laughs> I've been reading and hearing, and again, the profile of the player, it's more of a, you know, uh, he, he's built like a smaller linebacker, but runs like a safety. Okay, that's that's the tight ends. That's the athletic tight ends. Give me a that type of profile of player to cover the more athletic tight ends. A lot of times these safeties, they just, you know, the long arms of these tight ends and the size of these tight ends, you need guys that can, you know, get their hands in front, that are able to reach around, that have the length to high point against these kind of tight ends. And so a lot of times, you know, you know, uh, stockier in the box type safeties aren't always the best guys to put on those athletic tight ends. So enter Marte Mapu uh, or a Jalen Mills who's gone from, who's a, was a longer, leaner type corner now playing safety um those are probably the two guys that i would feel most comfortable matching up with a tight end like that in the red zone i love it i think we got there mills mapu guys to cover dallas goddard in the red zone if they don't i would expect some sort of double and help there uh which you see a lot from the patriots in red zone third down okay so you can you can always you can double two guys every play all right you can't three so you can only you can double two guys. Who are you doubling in the red zone? AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, Dallas Goddard. It's well, again, we go back to what you said earlier. Pick your poison. That that's what this whole offense is. And it's partly in the scheme with the option run game, it's with the weapons on the outside. The reason I bring up Goddard is not only again, he's one of the best tight ends in the league. The Patriots gave up touchdowns uh like they were candy in Halloween last year to tight ends, but 
they doubled Tyler Boyd against the Bengals last year in the slot. And I was going back over that film and asked guys in the locker room after going, okay, Jamar Chase is over there. T Higgins is over here. And your attention is on Tyler Boyd with these doubles. And their response was, Sometimes it's less the personnel and more the location, the geography of where we are. And those middle of the field throws are quicker. They're easier to make for the quarterback. And so that's why they wanted to take him away. You know, Goddard splits out some, but that's why I think of the weapons, maybe they do double him unless they do trust Mills or Mapu, who if I'm the Eagles, I go, great. (laughs) Thank you. Now, at some point, you're going to have a matchup that you feel better about uh, than, than they do. And whoever's right, we don't know yet until someone picks on that matchup, but it's, that's something that I'm keeping in the back of my mind because of the way they approached that last year with another team in Cincinnati that had three weapons and the Patriots double the one. I wouldn't have guessed that they would double in the red zone. And that's where they landed. Yeah. yeah. And I'll say this too, uh, Andrew is I think the Patriots got to be careful about being too cute. Okay. So this, they're hype on this defense, all top five defense. And I think Bill's very proud of his defense and his, you know, his two sons coaching on that side. And everything, and so they want to come out and you know make a splash. I would be careful. I would just be. I would play more conservative because the Patriots' defense. And this is just a side note. Sorry to go on a quick tangent here, but the Patriots' defense, if for it to be the top five defense, you know that some people think they can be, they need they're they're they need film. They need to identify tendencies and trends in a team that they're playing against. That's how, and so they're better game plan uh, to play those teams. Right now, there's no film on the Eagles. They don't know what to expect from the Eagles. And so it takes away, it mitigates some of, I think, their effectiveness to game plan and to call a better game. And so if I'm the Patriots, is is they want to be versatile. They want to be uh, disguising. They But don't do it. Don't cut off your nose to spite your face. Don't get so cute. Uh, against this team to 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 know how to show everyone how how uh, you know how good you can be um, because the, they they're going to have an answer for you and so I would just play a more conservative game at least in the first half um, uh, before I start doing too many cute stuff on defense and I I think at the end of the day you're going to see this defense because they've been playing together so long that they know each other's positions. You know, if they don't have the same players that our 4 defense did, but they have players that have played a long time like that 4 defense did. So I, I could play Teddy's position. Teddy can play my position. Brable could play my position. I could play Brable's position because we've been playing together for so long. These guys are kind of the same way. And so I think they really want to show that to everybody, how versatile and how uh, how scheme kind of just up they are on, uh, on top of, of the scheme they are. But I wouldn't do it in this game because uh, that offense is average. I mean, they, I think combined the last two openers, they scored over 70 points. And so you don't want to get too cute in this home opener. You want to be more conservative in your play calling. But again, not totally conservative. Pick your times in the game when you want to hit them with a blitz and hope that uh, they get home with it. Well, to your point, the, the solution that the Patriots have offered every time we bring up Devin McCourty's not here and your quarterback's gone. Someone else has got to call signals and play single high and all the, you know, the cover one and cover three that you run, which is among the league leaders, or at least it was until December last year, is, oh, we'll just rotate guys in there and everyone can play different spots. And so I think from what we've heard from them, this is a, the way you put it, don't get too cute. Three words, we've all heard them. Do your job. 
This is yeah. a simpler do your job game. And I think they'll have a smaller packages uh, of things they want to get to, a shorter menu, because the Eagles offense, in turn, Belichick said it this week, there's not a lot of mystery here. Like, they have built-in options every play that allows them to be multiple. But as far as, like, their whole menu of concepts and all the different passing plays they have in runs, it's not as voluminous as you would find in other offenses. So in that instance, you can play simpler coverages and answers with some wrinkles, of course, but that comes in your disguise. We'll get to the same coverages or fronts. They'll just look a little bit different in that pre-snap window or when we're rushing off the edge or trying to contain that read run. Um, but we're still doing the same things, just making it look different. All right, we've talked a lot about this game. I am very glad this game is finally here. One thing I haven't asked you, though, what do you know, if anything, about um, Brady's return? He's apparently going to be on the field pregame. We're going to have a halftime ceremony. Ty Law says a bunch of old guys are coming back. Are you going to be at the game? Do you know any old teammates that are coming back? What are you looking for from uh, Brady? Yeah, no, I, I uh, you know, I don't get a lot of uh, calls from the Patriots. <laughs> and it's been, <laughs> uh, although I will be involved in, uh, I'm very happy to say, in Mike Vrabel's uh, return to get his red jacket. So I'm going to be involved in the ceremony uh, for that, which is which is going to be great. But otherwise, uh, I won't be a part of it. Um, I'm, I'm working. Uh, uh, post game uh, for NBC Sports Boston, so uh, I have a job to do. But uh, you know, I don't. I don't. I'm kind of out of the loop. I wish I was uh, more in the loop. It's been a long time since I've been in the loop. But I heard Ty saying he's going to come in, uh, and, and maybe some other guys, which is which is fantastic. Tom Tom deserves all the shine and and uh, and, and you know and praise and, and uh, acknowledgement that uh, that he's going to get. So um, it's. I mean, if you ask, if you, if you ask, Oh, he, he's kind of in the dark. And so that guy usually is, everybody tells him everything. And so, um, <laughs> Joe doesn't know much of what's going on. Then I certainly, uh, won't either. So no clue, Andrew, what, uh, what to expect, uh, when it comes to Tom Brady on Sunday, other than I, the anticipation is that it'll be a big celebration at halftime and, uh, that nothing's scheduled pregame. It's a great point. If Zoe does not know, a man who spends regular time with Bill Belichick privately. I mean, privately, they put the, the show and the X's and O's and Dollar Strader online. We all watch it after the fact. But uh, if Zoe doesn't know, many people do not. So it's a great point. And uh, thanks for checking in anyway. All right, let's get to the game pick. I need a final score from you and some sort of bold prediction of what we're going to see on Sunday to go along with that final score. I've said this uh, last night on early edition. I think the Patriots are going to be in a lot of close games. I do. I just think the offense is going to be more competent. I think they're going to have a, a better than average defense of maybe not a top 10 defense. And so I think they're going to be in games close, but in the end of the day, I think the Eagles are just, they're just too good. They, Hey, I did a draft yesterday for early edition where I, I, I uh, saw this and I, and I screwed up. I missed Hassan Redding. I didn't put Hassan Redding in there, but I had two Redick, yeah. top 10. Uh, if I'm drafting between the two teams, I had eight Eagles players and two Patriots players, and I still missed us on Reading. So really, it should have been nine Eagles players and one uh, New England player. The point is, of the of the eight players that I picked in the top ten for the Eagles, they have a combined fourteen All Pros to them versus the Patriots zero. It's just a huge talent gap. So we're talking us. like thirty to ten. 40 0. How bad is this? 30, 30 24. Sorry. 30 24. 30 24. Right. Okay. That's actually pretty good considering 30, everything we just went through. It's yeah. it's pretty yeah. good. I hey, um I go ahead, I, go ahead. I was got? just gonna say I I'd say tease this prediction early, gone back and forth. I finished Eagles 27, Patriots 23. I think okay. the Patriots start fast. I think their edges, which you just talked about for the Eagles offensively with a new system, new coordinator, are going to play to the Patriots' advantage early on because you know what you're going to get from that defense. That's a we-do-what-we-do kind of defense. Talented as it is, uh, they'll go tempo. Everything I talked about earlier this week, 
wham, trap runs, RPO, screens, play action, yada, yada. But you can only get by on that for so long. And I think eventually the talent will be the talent. And I have Eagles 27, Patriots 23 in the end. But I think it's a late effort, push, missed tackle. And there goes A.J. Brown for a touchdown that puts him over the top. But I would not be surprised in the least if the Patriots pulled this out. Close this game. It's yeah. one with that. Okay. Yeah. What about a bold prediction? Oh, I don't know if it's bold, um, but you know, I think even with, with the issues of offensive line, I just I like our running backs. I love our running backs. So, <laughs> is it is it a bold prediction to say they'll will go the Patriots will rush for over 130 yards? I don't know. Ooh. I don't know what that. I don't let's know. Go, that let's go 140, and we'll call it a night. Let's call it 140. Makes it bolder. Uh, the Patriots rush for more than 140 uh, in this game. That's my big bold prediction. Cool. I like it. I uh, I'm encouraged by Reminder Stevenson. Asked him yesterday. You know, as we record late here on a Thursday, hey, what's going to be the difference that we see from Ramondre last time we saw him in a football field to this year? He said more relentlessness. You would love to say like, oh, I run a 4-2 now, or I squat 900 pounds like Jalen Hurts. He doesn't, but I think sometimes that relentlessness gets undervalued. He'll break one more tackle that'll help against a vulnerable linebacker and safety group and head off to the end zone. Zeke, I'm not as high on this guy who just doesn't have the wiggle and the elusiveness um, to create extra yards after contact. But the fact he can give Ramondre rest is is huge. So I like that. All right, Ted, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. We will see you Sunday on NBC Sports Boston at every Patriots game coming forth. Great analysis. We'll have you back. And uh, let's all have a Sunday, man. Football's back. I know. I'm pumped, bud. This is what we love to do. And so this is our time to shine. So uh, buckle up. It's going to be a compelling season. The Patriots are always entertaining, (laughs) even if it's – even if it's not going as uh, the way we want. So I look forward to seeing you uh, throughout the season, Andrew. You uh, you do good work and uh, call me anytime. Got it. Appreciate you.